Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so the report is out. Last October, the Competition Bureau of Canada announced that they would embark on a retail grocery market study. That's what it was called. The stated goal was to explore how governments across Canada can increase competition. And that report was released this morning. Uh, They say that governments must act to bring more grocers into the Canadian market. Okay, that would certainly increase competition, right? Um, but, but how do we do that? Uh, they, they say basically at this point, Canadians are shopping at three grocery stores primarily. Okay. Loblaws, Sobeys and Metro, a hundred billion dollars in sales, $3.6 billion in profits in the last year. Costco and Walmart have a presence, they say, but the big three sort of dominate when it comes to groceries, which is surprising because if you've been near a Costco on the weekend, you know that a whole hell of a lot of people going to Costco, but uh, apparently not as many as are going to the big three. Uh, they recommend that all levels of government encourage the entry of new homegrown grocers into the market and seek ways to lure international brands to the country. Okay, so what is that? What is that? What, that sounds like where you started. Where did you get to? Let's let's have a conversation now with uh, Stuart Smythe. Stuart's been with us before. He's an associate professor, industry-funded research chair in Agrivood Innovation at the University of Saskatchewan. Stuart, thanks for your time again. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Good morning, Shay. So this report says that the high prices that we pay can be traced back simply, not simply, but in large part to a lack of competition. We've got the big three that dominate and they sort of set the rules. Does that jive with what you think? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty evident given, you know, over the last number of years, right, we've had the merger between uh, with, with Safeway yep. uh, and and, you know, they've even been buying out some of the, the smaller independents in, in a number of cities. Uh, and, and then they're closing down other stores. So, yeah, there's been a lot of movement in the, the grocery retail space over the last number of years. And that concentration, basically, it's just funneled down to the three, right? Loblaws, um, Sobeys, and, and Metro? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It, so, you're right. Uh, you know, one of the things that... I wish they would have taken a look at is what do consumers want? You know, you mentioned in your intro that going to these big box stores on the weekend is, is there's huge numbers of people there. So why isn't the government or why didn't the the commission come back and say, well, what do Canadians want? I mean, you know, I think it would be, it would have been important for them to survey Canadians and say, you know, do you want to, to spend half a day on the weekend going to five or six different smaller grocery stores, or do you prefer to go to one large store to get your groceries? I, I think you're absolutely, and I think a lot of people, and a lot of people I know, Stuart, have gotten to the point now where they there's certain things you get from Costco, and then uh, we go to Costco, then we go to the Italian Center, and then we go to Safeway. And, 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 and we do the same thing every week because some things are better at some places than others. There's not. I don't know if anybody goes to one shop anymore. 
That's right. And, and you know, we've, we've really moved away from the days. And I, I still see this in a lot of European cities when I travel for work is that they, they just don't have the retail space no. for the large box stores we do, right? So you still have a, a bakery goods store. You still have a meat store. You still have a cheese and, a, and wine. And so all of these are separate stores that require, you know, maybe not going to the to all of the stores on one day, but you're right. You're breaking that up so that, you know, every second or third day you're, you're, you're going to a different grocery outlet. So in this report, they say the government, they want the government to encourage more homegrown grocers to enter the market and at the same time to entice international brands to come to Canada. Well, I think that was the starting point. I mean, how do they go about doing that? What's the recommendation there? How do you actually open up those doors? And, you know, this is, that's an excellent point, Jay, because this was something that was really frustrating for me. In skimming over the executive summary and the, and the, the table of contents, there's absolutely nothing about no. reducing interprovincial trade barriers, which is what governments have the ability to influence. Trying to influence a foreign retailer to set up in Canada, I mean, they can give some tax concessions, but then that, that's our tax dollars being spent to bribe someone to come and set up shop here. So I would sooner see the government try to focus on legitimate ways of reducing barriers that are contributing to higher food prices than sort of these pie-in-the-sky things that we need to invite retailers from, you know, Asia or Europe to, to set up shop in Canada. Yeah, they, they do mention uh, removing property controls. That, so I guess they're talking about zoning, but I, I I've never heard a grocer complain about zoning. I mean, that that's it doesn't seem to be on the radar to me. I, I don't know have you heard that no and a lot of the the retail outlets you know the the big malls they want to have a grocery store as an anchor to to drive at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder us as shoppers to to those malls you know um throughout the week so having a, a retailer I, I think this was sort of grasping at straws that they put this one in to say that, you know, yeah, maybe that maybe that would help a little bit, but but it's certainly not high on the list of things that I think government can influence. One thing I did see in the report that kind of makes sense is something that seems tangible because a lot of it doesn't is um, putting in some sort of standardized packaging units. And I thought, okay, that makes sense because we've talked about shrinkflation before, right? Where we know manufacturers will tinker with the amount of product they're selling you. They'll leave the price the same, but you know, you might get 10% less product or whatever the case may be. That's something that seems to make sense right off the hop. We can do that right away, right? Yeah, I think that would be a fairly um, easy thing to to legitimize because most of the variation is is driven by you know whether it's a, a storehouse brand and they'll they'll change the size of something slightly to to maybe offer it at a lower price as a as an in-store discount so i think some standardization of, of food unit sizes and stuff like that would would certainly help us as canadian or as consumers to i say you know where is the better deal per gram or or you know however units are being sold um overall and like i say with this report maybe and maybe i was expecting too much Stuart, but but i mean food inflation numbers come out today 
they're still at 9%, right? Like, this report isn't yeah. going to help us. I mean, we need some sort of rem- What can be done? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all market forces. Is there anything that a government can actually do to change the course of that 9% food inflation right now? I saw that, too. And, you know, given that the peak inflation was, was just under 11%, yeah. that means as... You know, food inflation is not following overall inflation. Overall inflation was what three, three point four. So yeah, three point four. Food inflation is over five percent higher than than general inflation. So I think governments really need to take a hard look at at things like removing the carbon tax from food transportation. That went up thirty percent in April, and I think that's reflected in the fact that food inflation did not drop in May simply because of the higher carbon tax. Looking at supply management, I think we really need to take a hard look at particularly dairy. Is dumping milk in the sewer system the best option for Canadian right. consumers? I, I, there's absolutely no way with childhood malnourishment and calcium being such a vital health law, or lifelong health importance that dumping milk into the sewer system is in any way a benefit to consumers. Do you see anything on the horizon giving us hope? I mean, like we're still looking at 9% in, in June of 2023. Uh, is there anything that indicates we may actually start to see that, you know, move a little bit? That's where I'm starting to get worried. Yeah. I, you know, I've been optimistic that as our domestic fruits and vegetables start um, entering into the supply, into grocery stores, you know, and, and, and they've been doing that here in the last number of weeks, that, that we would see that drop. So given that these are main numbers, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll maintain my optimism for until this time uh, a month from now, right? But if we're not seeing movement by the end of July, then, then I think governments are, are really going to have to think about, you know, and not just a cosmetic window dressing, which is really what the Competition Bureau just did, but a legitimate consideration about some hard policies that do need to change in Canada that could contribute to reducing food prices. Yeah, exactly. I don't think this report has any answers, and not from what I've seen anyway. Hey, I wanted to ask you while I've got you, in terms of, you know, we talk about the big three, nobody's alleging collusion or anything like that, but we did have the bread price fixing settlement that, that happened last week. So, I mean, when we talk about lack of competition, can we get to a point like that? Like, what is this bread price fixing scandal tell us about what can happen when we have it all boiled down to you know just one or two producers well i think part of what it means is is that if there's a technology sort of internally within the industry or or something preferential from a trade agreement that allows them to incur you know let's let's let say say internally they can incur a 10% cost savings yeah but because they can keep such a close eye on everybody else's prices there's no incentive for them to pass that cost saving on to to all of us as consumers simply because they can watch the other two prices and if nobody's lowering prices by a few percent to try and gain a bit of more market share then they just absorb that cost saving as as a higher prop, sure. higher revenues and profits, and and we don't benefit at all from innovation. So it doesn't get passed on, then. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's my big concern, right? Is that, you know, the the lack of competition is and and governments really not taking a serious um, approach into how they can actually increase competition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good stuff, Stuart. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, I appreciate it.